When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Believe in Temple Football podcast. We're already into our fourth episode of our first season. I'm John DiCarlo of AlScoop.com. Joined again, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Adam Michael. Adam, of course, a Temple football, former Temple football quarterback and former Temple assistant coach. Adam, what's going on? Hey, John. What's up, listeners? How you guys doing? First off, man, I want to thank you guys for tuning in every week. Hopefully you're enjoying it, uh, getting a little information from myself and John. And I've been uh, really good. Had a good day until I saw that uh, Cam Newton signed with the Panthers. Um, I was, you know, I just talked to PJ yesterday and he's excited. He's fired up just like we all are for him. I know we just had the interview with him a few weeks ago, but I'm looking forward to him playing against the old Michael Dogby and Arizona Cardinals this week. And um, I need to find a way to watch that on Sunday. I don't have the NFL network or the package. I had about to buy red zone, but um, yeah, I was having a good day until I saw the Cam Newton news and the money he's making. But now, you know, I know PJ will be ready to compete. Now I'm looking forward to having a good show today. Yeah. So, Adam, it just uh, we wish we had better news to report about this team, but it just, um, as you know, just keeps getting worse. Temple's three and six now. They've lost four in a row. They've been outscored in that stretch now by 180 to 27 in their last four games. So they, they've just been a different team since that Memphis win. Uh, and they just they just haven't been competitive. Uh, they, they lose 45 to three to ECU. Uh, I think you've said before, look, every, every guy who gets a scholarship has a chance and these, there are good players all over the place, but it's just looking too easy on both sides of the ball and all three phases for anybody that Temple's been, uh, been playing Uh, a general question for you. And again, there's a lot to unpack from that game. Uh, Dewan gets hurt again. Uh, We don't know if he'll play Saturday against a very good Houston team with a very good defensive front. Uh, if he can't go, Justin Lynch will play. Justin Lynch was – and, again, you you get in at that juncture. The game's starting to get out of control. Again, you know you know the game planning better than I do, but he ends up going 6 of 20. Wasn't able to show much, and a lot not a lot's working well around him. But, again, it's, it's a tough stretch of football. And, I, honestly, I, I said to you before we started recording, I haven't seen a stretch of Temple football like this since before you got – to Temple and the end of the Bobby Wallace years, even though you guys struggled when you first got to Temple. And as I said to you before, you were playing behind a lean <laughs> offensive line before the 
you know, the, like the, the Wayne Tribus and the John Palombos mm-hmm. of the world came in uh, and those guys became what they were, but there was a plan. There was some sort of, you could tell there was some sort of vibe around the program that, yeah, this is hard now, but it's, it's, and you you guys were enduring some tough losses. This feels like pre Al Golden to me. What what are you seeing again? I know the answer is obviously not anything really great right now, but I I can't find any bright spots out of what I've seen recently. Yeah. It's um, it's a tough month long stretch for the guys. I mean, it's a tough month long stretch for the fans. Like I mentioned to you, uh, and to the listeners a few weeks ago, like I thought that Temple had to get back to the basics to be able to, you know, run the football, uh, protect the quarterback, obviously tackle in space, create turnovers and start fast. And if you really look at those five things, they haven't been able to do any of those things at a high level right now. I mean, if you're talking about ECU, that, you know, quarterbacks combined, the one getting hurt, they were 13 for 33 with only 57 yards. I mean, that's not going to get it done. And they obviously struggled to run the ball throughout the game. Um, Lynch led them. You know, I think the quarterbacks rushed the ball a few more times than the running backs combined. That's not always a great thing, but obviously, you know, Jordan brings some uh, – or, or Lynch, Justin brings a little bit of different uh, style of play for for Temple whenever he's in the game. And then obviously that first quarter haunted us again. I mean, you don't score any points. It's only seven to nothing. If I would go back, I don't know how the scores have looked in the first quarter, but, you know, we might not score, but we're not playing awful football right there and then. Then you look defensively. I mean, you're almost giving up 500 yards of total uh, total total uh, defense against you know the last four opponents, and that's that's a tough pill to swallow. And again, I mean, everybody's trying to find a quick fix. Um, you know, from from the outside looking in, and I know inside those doors, you know, those guys are trying to figure it out themselves. You know, I mean, whether it's changing some things um, on the practice script, whether it's changing the way you you practice, whether it's changing the way you prepare, or just altering a little bit. I mean. You have to look and say to yourself, hey, these things aren't working. What can we alter? What can we change? So obviously you guys know it. I mean, if you keep doing these same things, this is the result that they're getting. So something has to change a little bit to try to get the outcome a little bit different, a little more in Temple's favor. And again, next next up is Houston. So that'll be an interesting one as well. Adam, when they're not, when they're just not competitive, yeah, it's one thing if like if they lose to ECU 35 to 28 and you you see some stuff where um, Dewan's able to stay healthier. You see some growth out of some position on the field. You can say, okay, it's not ideal, but the, you can take something out of it. They just, they, again, getting outscored 180 to 27 in your last four games, it's, it's just been an avalanche of, of bad stuff. Why is it, I, I hate to ask, it sounds like a, it sounds like a fanish question to ask but is this you know is it a sign that the guys are just not buying in anymore that some have checked out that things just aren't aren't resonating because i feel like you know i, I think heading into the season i i never expected this to be uh like a nine or ten win team i thought it was going to be like a um maybe if you can go six and six get into a bowl game go seven and five and you can say all right we lost some guys to the portal this is a season where we we bounced back and, you know, if you're if you're Temple saying this now next year, we want to be that 10, 11 win team that, that wins, you know, wins the league. But I didn't expect this. I, I think there's and again, you know, better than I do. You coach these guys. I think there's there's talent on that roster and they shouldn't be losing like this. Is it do you, do you think they've they've lost them? Is it just what's not resonating when you see yeah. lopsided losses like this? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the. Before the, the the last four weeks, I mean, 
I think as Temple fans, we were kind of disappointed in the outcome of the Rutgers game. And I know we, you know, we beat a, a lowly Akron team and a Wagner team, but things weren't awful. Like these last four weeks, there has to be something inside of those doors or on that practice field or in that film room or in those guys' hearts or in their minds that's, you know what I mean, just not um, resonate when they get on the field. And then whether it's, um, again, the preparation, like I said, I was with those guys and that staff. And again, you know, the listeners, you might think I'm, you know, not trying to share any, you know, crazy detail or some or be negative towards it. Cause I, like I told you before, John, like I still feel like I'm part of that, that staff. I still feel like I'm part of that team. Like I, I was just there a few months ago. So like everything they did in the off season, like I'm a part of, so I feel like when they're losing, I'm losing, you know what I mean? So it's hard for me to necessarily say they're not prepared because I've seen the preparation. I've seen the hard work in the weight room and I've seen um, you know, the time that that staff puts in and the time that, that that staff's away from their families, like all those things I've seen and I've been a part of. And then when, you know, you're getting your butt whooped, you know, 52 to 3, 34, 14, 49, 7, 45 to 3, and literally nothing is going your way, it's a hard pill to swallow. And I'm sure everyone's sitting there and trying to say to say to themselves, like, what is going on? Why can't we stop this? How can we fix it? And I'm sure there's guys on the field saying, I need somebody to make a play. Who's going to make the play to kind of change the vibe of the game? Who's going to make the play to get us back into, you know, have a little more mojo to, to us on offense or defense? What special teams play? You know, who's going to go and block the punt? You know what I mean? There has to be something down there. I don't necessarily believe that the, 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 the players, uh, you know, kind of threw in the towel. Because like I told you before, nobody's going to go out there and, and want to look bad. Now, if you're talking about playing guys that are young, playing guys that are inexperienced, I mean, that's a different thing. But, you know, that only goes, you know, so far, John. You know what I mean? That only goes so far, and you can't use that as an, as an excuse, and I don't think anybody is. But it's, a, it's an extremely bad stretch, one of the worst stretches in a long time at Temple. And, you know, how are you going to stop it? Like I mentioned a thousand times before, who's going to stick their hand in that fan and stop the bleeding? And no one has been able to do it right now. And I don't know if anyone's going to be able to get it done. Mm-hmm. So a guy that had been playing good football, uh, you know, a couple seasons ago, uh, of course, was Jaden Blue. Um, and obviously the, the, the transfer portal has hit Temple hard. It's obviously been a point of contention for fans who are looking in and saying, what's going on? Now, Nick Baggs left in the, in the portal a few weeks ago and has since committed to USF. When we asked Rod about it, Rod said that, that uh, Nick's mom had intended to move and it was a family thing and he wanted to move with her. Um, so now um, Jaden Blue announced this week on Instagram and on Twitter that he's entering the transfer portal. He said he's planning to enter the portal as a grad transfer and he's going to be graduating from Temple. Um, he's the only receiver in the program history to record more than a thousand yards in a single season. Um, so he had a thousand sixty seven yards two seasons ago and he's second all time in receiving yards. So, again, from the outside looking in and I know that, you know, for whatever reason, uh, whether it is him, whether it's the circumstances, obviously his, you know, his, his play has regressed. And I mean, he hit, there was a ball that hit him square in the hands last week that I've just never seen him drop. I think it was on a, on like a quick screen or something like that. And I think Randall's d- distinguished himself as the top receiver on the team. And, you know, Barbones come along. They like what they've seen from Jordan Smith, maybe it was more of like a tight end and, they're trying to get other guys involved uh, and certainly Ahmad Anderson is his play a little bit better, but again, as, as I'm looking from the outside, looking in, I can only glean as much as I can as a reporter. 
he's hitting the portal and he is deciding to, to call it a career at Temple with, you know, with three games still left on the schedule. And, you know, on one hand, you could say it's commendable that maybe he doesn't care about records, but if he sticks around, he could become, he could become your all-time leading receiver in yardage, but he decided he's, he's leaving. And this is interesting to me. I'm not surprised when losing happens again, this is something that can happen, but this was a guy, as you know, who sang the praises of this staff when they first got here. And I think it seemed like for whatever reason, he wasn't seeing eye to eye with Jeff Collins. He had quit the team, came back in from, you know, what do you, what do you make of Jaden hitting the portal? Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, I've been around in my 10 to 11 years at Temple. I've been around a lot of really good kids and a lot of kids that cared deeply about Temple football and a lot of kids that, uh, that were, were invested heavily into buying into a program and buying into what someone's, you know, preaching and buying into the, uh, the toughness of a program, buying into, you know, what, what the university and the, and the program is, is truly about. And Jaden is one of those guys. So um, if you're talking about, you know, one of my top five favorite players I've ever coached, Jaden Blue is on that list. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's, he's a kid that's wise beyond his years, a kid that has a bigger picture he has a plan, can see the big picture before it even happens. Mm-hmm. So for him to make a decision like this, it wasn't one that was reactionary. Mm-hmm. I would, I would imagine, I would imagine this is something that may have weighed on him for a few, for, for a year or, or so, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right now, I don't think this is something that just happened overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, but also at the same time, I think the kid, just like, I mean, if you talk about the guys that have left our program in the past few years and for whatever reasons, um, this transfer portal is a, is a different animal and has really affected Temple like it has. And I see a lot of people post about how it's killed Temple, which it has. It's drained us with the, from a lot of good players. And, you know, we try to get it back with some other guys, but, you know, it's drained us. You know, we've lost a lot of good players that went on to play, you know, bigger institutions. I don't know if the situations are necessarily better. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you see guys being successful with those other programs, like, uh, for instance, Kenny Yaboa down at Ole Miss, who ended up going down there and was successful and is now, you know, on the active roster, or Quincy Roche, who started for the Giants and went to Miami. Right. Um, or, and there's certain guys that have stuck it through. You know what I mean? Like, and I think Jaden really wanted to be one of those guys, because I'm sure if he would have hit the portal last year um, or if he would have left to go to the NFL last year, something mm-hmm. good would have happened. So now, again, as you said, you know what I mean? The statistics declined. If I was a bet man, if you went and watched him practice, if I went and watched him practice, I would imagine he's a way smarter player. He's probably a better receiver than he was this time last year. So as right. much as the statistics are, are, have, 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 uh, have gotten worse, I think the kid's probably a better football player. Even though he wasn't on the leadership council or you know, wasn't a team captain, I would venture to say that that dude right there was uh, somebody that those young guys looked up to. And I actually talked to him. Um, I talked to him yesterday. Um, so my dog just walked in, John, barged in the door. I talked to Jane yesterday, and I would venture to say that, you know, that kid cares about Temple, and that kid is um, will, will be a Temple lifer for a long time. And for him to make a decision like this, again, like I told you last week, those guys are going to make the decision that they see best suited for them. And every once in a while, some people might not like it, but you have to be selfish. And whether it was the right decision, nobody knows until, you know what I mean, this time next year. And, you know what I mean, he's playing football for whatever university he goes to and see how successful he is there. And but like I told him yesterday, whatever legacy um, you'll leave here as a Temple as a football player is great. You know, second all-time leading catcher, 
uh, pass receiver catcher. But again, what legacy are you leaving with the guys below you? Like that's what matters. Like what are those young receivers going to remember you as? And, um, you know, I mean, as long as that's positive, um, you know, I think that that's all that matters to me. And I think that's really all that matters to him. So, I mean, again, I love the kid, you know, he's like my little brother and I'll continue to, uh, even if I was on staff, I'm sure the guys on staff are saying the same thing. So mm-hmm. we'll continue to support them in, every, uh, in, in any which way. So another thing I wanted to ask you about before we talk a little bit about Houston and then get to the, the mailbag questions that we have, um, Kobe Wilson was one of three players that was made available to reporters on Tuesday. So it was Jalen Ware, Kobe Wilson, and Jacoby Sharp. And uh, we ran a story about this. I wasn't in on that press conference, but I read his, his comments and I know you did too. And this is part of what Kobe Wilson had said. And again, this is a guy that uh, Rod and his staff have recruited, um, had a late offer from, from Georgia in, in his recruitment and, uh, you know, has shown some flashes of, of being potentially a, 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 a good player. I know he's a little undersized at linebacker, but I know it's a guy that the, the staff likes. And so, you know, I'm sure he was asked, you know, how do you get this thing turned around and, um, how do you erase this four game losing streak? And part of what he said was, I know these guys want to win. They hate losing, but he also went on to say in part, they, uh, they want to point fingers. And he's talking about this player's only meeting that they had. And Kobe, if I'm correct, he's on that. He's, he's on that. He's a second year freshman. I guess you would call him. He's on that leadership council. Right. Right. So Kobe said, another thing he said in part was they want to point fingers at certain things and certain coaches. And we can't do that. We have to hold ourselves accountable. And that's part of what he said, what did you make of, and again, I know that when things are, when, you know, when the team's losing and it becomes contagious and it becomes infectious, there's nothing that you can really say as much. It's going to make it better. Like you said, somebody has to go out and make a play. And like, I like that analogy of like sticking your hand in the fan and just like stopping it. You can't win games and lose games in press conferences, but I, I his comments were interesting to me because he's acknowledging like, yeah, maybe there's some finger pointing in a player's only meeting. I don't know how that plays out with the guys mm-hmm. and the coaches, but w- what did you make of that when you, when you read his Yeah, comments? I mean, I, it's funny because I, I had opened the, the, the site and I saw in Alice Daily, the article, and I didn't listen to it, but I read through it and I always feel like, and I, trust me, I like Kobe. I think Kobe's going to be a really good player for Temple and he's an infectious smile to him. The kid's happy. The kid works his tail off. You know what I mean? He's um, he's he, he he likes to compete. He's a competitive kid. I also feel like, John, as a former player, when you get asked questions sometimes, especially a young kid, if you look at some of his comments, it's, they get really long winded. Like you just start blurting stuff out. And sometimes it's like when you get asked a question, even sometimes whenever you used to interview me, mm-hmm. I would, you ask a question, you have to sit back and really think before you answer a question. So it's like okay. he was sharing information that maybe he didn't want to share or he didn't need to share. I could have stayed in house, but I mean, everybody knows that they hate to lose. Right. You know, and I remember some staff, maybe it was 2008 and we were losing or 2007. And we had a team meeting players only meeting. And like, I think it was me and Devin Tyler might've got into it. Cause he said something, I said something back and like those meetings, you know what I mean? Depending upon who your leaders are and what's going on. I mean, there's some, there's some heat going on down there now. They're that's, losing, what gonna, you know? that's what I was going to follow up with and ask you. And again, I'm not saying that you have to like disclose a ton of personal stuff, but you already like sharing some good stuff. When there's a players only meeting, it's typically not for, not because you're on a six game losing streak and you've been a part of them. What, what are, and you already started getting into this. I, I, I'm sure that you have to have some tough conversations and that the guys, yeah, hey, yeah, you got to no keep doubt. this in house. And he might've been guilty of just kind of saying too much. Yeah. I mean, you're talking like, 
people, you know, they, they'll call each other out. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll call out captains. They'll call out leaders, like people that usually don't speak. You know what I mean? You kind of give everybody a voice. And it's kind of interesting because if you hear someone, for instance, like Amir Tyler, everybody knows Amir Tyler can speak. And he's, you know, he's an older guy and he's a vet and everyone heard him before. But there might be a younger guy like, like we're talking about Kobe here or Jacoby Sharp, who's playing some football that speaks and not many people have heard them speak before, but the things that they're saying are pretty dang good. It's like, well, wow. I mean, he might be right here. So I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure there was a, a, a player only meeting trying to figure out what's wrong, trying to figure out how to fix it. And you know what I mean? There's guys probably saying, Hey, I don't like this. Why is the scheme that, why is this player playing? You shouldn't, you should be doing this. I mean, there's probably something important for sure, but then there's probably some guys like, you know, maybe someone got on the board and said, Hey, this is what we suck at. This is where we're crappy at. This is what we're efficient at. How can we, you know, get these things that, you know, are causing us to lose? How can we flip them just a little bit to get us on the other end, end of winning? And you know what I mean? Be more competitive as a football game. So I like those meetings. I was talking to one of the high school kids that I trained from here, from your buddy school, Montour, and he's like, you know, we don't have necessarily have some leaders. You know what I mean? The leaders, he's a younger, he's a junior, but told him the same thing. I'm like, hey, you might have to call yourself a little players only meeting. Mm -hmm. figure out what your issues are. You know what I mean? You have to address the issues head on. Like, what are the issues? And some are football related, maybe something's in the locker room, who knows? Um, but again, losing causes a lot of that. I mean, if they're winning some football games, they ain't going to have a players only meeting for sure. So as I sit there with Kobe and I listen to some of the things he said, um, they're all in, you know what I mean? Everyone's, you know, they're talking about a bowl game and I'm sure like the staff isn't worried about winning these three games and getting to a bowl game. Like they're worried about the next game is the most important game. There was something that was always said. Um, they're talking about like, you know, they start talking about things like a last year's team and playing a walk-on quarterback and um, playing a fourth string quarterback as I'm reading it. Like those things don't need to be said. Like that has nothing to do with anything that's going on right now. Because they sound so like again, excuses, right? Yeah. And he says they're not excuses, but then he goes and says, there's the reasons why we struggled last year, but it's, Again, I think the kid means well. And I sometimes think when you interview people um, that are younger and, you know, they're they're trying to say the right things because the kid definitely wants to say the right thing. Sometimes you just start talking and just you keep going and going and right. some things can be misconstrued. But again, I hope that the meeting was beneficial. And I know, you know, coming out of that meeting, um, you know, you never know what, you know, how practice went today or how practice went yesterday or how, mm -hmm. how it'll be tomorrow. So it could be beneficial. Um, you hope that they're beneficial. So again, Houston is a team that's, that's really on a roll. Um, they lost their opener, haven't lost since. And again, we, we, we know how good they are and they're just, I, I mean, there's no easy opponent for Temple at this point, the way they're playing. And Houston has the best rushing defense in the conference. Logan Hall's good. DeAnthony Jones leads them with five sacks. They, they have 33 sacks as a team. On the other side of the ball, Clayton Toon's playing well at quarterback, and Alton McCaskill's going to be a really tough matchup for them. He's got 603 yards on the ground and, and 12 touchdowns. Uh, it, I don't know. Again, like any time I feel like I ask these, these questions, it's like what they need to do to turn it around, and it's there's a reason Houston's heavily favored in this game. What do you see as a path for them? to win this game? Is it, is it just, obviously you have to execute, you have to make plays, the simple no right. stuff that everybody knows, but like, is there any way that they can put such a chip on their shoulder and say, everybody's against us. Do they have it in them to say, we're going to go out and shock the world and, and flip our season around. Do you think that they, do you think that they have it in them or is it just, I think the players absolutely do. 
Um, I think as a competitor, that's the mindset that they have to have. And I'm sure that's the mindset that they're going to, they're going to have on, on Saturday at noon. Now, when they go out there and that ball kicks off, I mean, you know, it's, it's a man on man battle. You know what I mean, John? Mm-hmm. Like Houston's eight and one, they score a ton of freaking points. I mean, they're only giving up 300 yards per game on the defensive end. I mean, um, I don't feel like as I look at that game and I look at the team, like the talent gap is not as wide as some may, may think, mm-hmm. you know, if you're talking about guy for guy, like it's not, it's not like they're overly talented by, you know, player by player basis. Um, but I've never liked playing Houston personally. I've never liked going down to Houston. Mm-hmm. I've never liked, had a different style of defense back then. I think when, you know, Orlando, Todd Orlando, I think his name is, was, was running their defense. But it was just kind of unsettling as a coach for me whenever I was, you know, playing against those guys. But that's just obviously me. But, you know, they're right in front of us. And, um, you know, Rush giving up rushing yards in the conference. So that could maybe bode well for the defense if we could try to maybe force them to run the ball a little bit more and then, mm-hmm. you know, have the eye discipline on the back end. I know that hurt us a little bit last week. Um, we were talking about some of the some of the touchdowns that, you know, we gave up um, against ECU. So I think that might be, you know, a situation that could help us, you know, force them to run a little more. And then, you know what I mean, once they get in the passing situations, you know, I think we could be in good shape knowing that they're going to have to throw the football and then maybe, you know, letting loose a little bit about – letting loose a little bit about uh, with our defensive line. And then, you know, offensively, uh, it's just one of those games where you have to beat your man one-on-one. Um, I think that up front, you know, you're going to have to be able to run the football, move guys and, you know, allow us to run the football early and then play action and take some chances on, you know, I don't know who's going to play quarterback. I don't know if that was necessarily said, but, um, you know, as you can run the ball early, you could shoot some play actions or, you know what I mean? Some people like to do it the other way, you know what I mean? Start off with some play action stuff and, you know, try to move the ball down the football and get some chunks. And um, it'll be interesting to see those guys from that first whistle, that first drive would be a big telling tale for me personally. Yeah. Um, can we start fast, John? I mean, I've been saying that for four weeks and we haven't been able to do it yet. So can we start fast? Can we get up on an opponent and force somebody to come back against us? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Adam, I, I, real quick, before we get to the mailbag, I guess I don't want to overlook this. So um, what there were, there were, I, I don't, I mean, I, I wanted to ask you about this there and it, he ultimately didn't, wasn't involved Um with the, with the search, but there were rumors out there that Al Golden was going to be the next UConn coach, and that proved to be that proved to be false. Um, and they have have since decided that they're going to hire um, Jim Mora. But when you see, you know, obviously now Al Golden is is the the linebackers coach with the Bengals, and, and the Bengals are, are right in it there. And um, you know they've they've surprised some people this season. But when you see your former head coach's name out there. Uh, rumored to be a head coach again, or what are you thinking? Do you think he, um, do you think he could ever get back in the mix? Would you see him getting back in the mix with college football again? And uh, after I, with him? yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, when you, when you talk about Al, I think that, you know, you said earlier, this guy has a plan for what he wants to do next. Mm-hmm. And as a position coach in the NFL, uh, you know, usually that next step could be a coordinator position. So, if I'm again, I haven't talked to him. I text him whenever he got into the Hall of Fame, but I haven't talked to him about you know the business side of things or right. you know hearing his name through you know the UConn job. But I think the guy definitely has a plan for what he wants to accomplish next or what's on his list to check off essentially, whether that's an NFL coordinator job or you know whether he wants to get back into college football. And I don't know if the, the you know trying to rebuild because obviously he re- rebuilt Temple whenever I was there. And then you know earned the, the job down in Miami, which he you know ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw. 
with the situation they were in, it probably wasn't the, the most ideal fit uh, for him. But uh, I could see it. Again, I think the situation would probably have to be perfect. Yeah. Um, but I, I did read about some rumblings for him in a position, um, a defense coordinator position in the NFL, and I think that could be a little more ideal for him. But, again, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool, though, because you know, you're talking about 2009 or 2010 when he, you know, he, he, was, he left Temple. So that's, you know, 11 years ago. The guy's been doing a whole bunch of different things, and you know it's still good to hear him doing so well and still being able to, you know, have a job so to speak and doing it at a high level and getting his name mixed in the mix for certain jobs is pretty cool. All right, so we'll get to. I think we have three mailbag questions uh, to get to here. This first one is from Drew. I don't know. It, I don't know if Drew's question was on uh, on the yeah, Twitter. Twitter, yeah, Twitter. Uh, Drew's was from Twitter. So uh, it says, "Hey, coach, here are a few questions." What was or is your favorite spot to hang out on campus when you were a student? He's got two more here that we'll get to, but what was, what was your favorite spot to hang out on campus? I was pretty, I was pretty boring, man, in college. Um, I, was, uh, I was kind of a loner, and whenever I was home, I'm a big family guy, so I was away from my family. But I kind of handled my business. I used to hang out with the guys, clown around. You know, we lived in 1300. Um, I don't know if I necessarily had a favorite spot, but, like, I always liked to – there was always a place across from the sack called Ernie's E&J's, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. I'd get the same thing every – I'd get it for breakfast all the time. Sausage, egg, and cheese on a croissant, salt, pepper, and ketchup. I had a raspberry tea and some sour cream and onion chips, man. Um, <laughs> but things have changed. Things have changed dramatically since then, man. But, you know, everybody loves our guy, Richie. Shout out to my guy, Richie. That's a huge place, and people are just, you know, loving him. Uh, maybe we can get him to sponsor our uh, podcast next. I'm going to have to reach out to him. Yeah, you should. Um, yeah, but uh, I don't know. There, uh, Like I said, campus is a totally different world now than it was. And if I go back for a year, I would not have changed some things, but that's kind of it for that one. Uh, so the second question here from Drew is, what was your favorite accomplishment while you were at Temple? Oh, uh, man. As a player, you know, obviously, John, we didn't, we didn't win very much. So uh, that kind of still eats at me uh, 13 years later. It still eats at me as a competitor. So, you know, I think the the 08 team, we were the ones that kind of, in my opinion, helped lay the groundwork for what came in 09 and beyond. So we take a little credit for that. So that's probably my favorite accomplishment while, you know, as a player at Temple. And then, um, and the third question here is, uh, what were, were there any goals that you set for yourself at Temple that you didn't accomplish? Yeah. And I think that the next year, those guys got to a bowl game. So my right. senior year, we were five and seven and, um, you know, we obviously missed it by a game and we lost to Buffalo on the old Hail Mary. We lost to Navy in overtime where we were up 21 points in the first half or second half and, or third, whatever it was. And, you know, I ended up getting hurt and I think I missed four games and we ended up being five and seven. So I would have loved to be the first quarterback to get to a bowl game in over however many years it was at that time. But that was probably the one thing I didn't get to accomplish that I uh, wish I did. I think we got we got asked on, on my Al Scoop podcast on the Scoop. Um, we got asked a mailbag question. What, what, what was your one of your least favorite games to cover? And we were, we were having a conversation about that. And I said, it wasn't necessarily my least favorite game to cover, but we, we talked about that Buffalo game. And <laughs> you, you led that drive. And we've talked about this before. You led that drive. And then you're watching from the sideline as that pass grows up from, from Drew Willie to Naaman Roosevelt. And I remember sitting up in the press box thinking as that ball's come down, like, oh my God, he's going to catch that. And I'm not sure. I think it was like, JJ back there. I think I think yeah. Schulters might have still been on the team. And I, I yeah, think Dominique Harris, Amo, um, I think it was Wilbur Brinson, Jaquan. I mean, ton of guys where I had a lot of faith that they were to knock that thing down. But um, again, it made those guys that losing, yeah, those games that year 
it absolutely helped that team the next year and beyond for sure. I mean, losing obviously the way that we did and the many times that we did definitely helped aid those guys, you know, the next season for sure. I remember driving back from that game and I think there was like a rainstorm and it's like driving back like seven hours in a rainstorm in Western New York was not, I shouldn't be complaining. You guys were one that endured the loss, but that was just one of those games where I was like, Oh man. Um, So I think we just got another one that popped in here. We'll get to uh, in a second. Next question. This is from Tony on Facebook question for AD. One of the most infamous plays getting to getting to more, more, more of the hard stuff. One of the most infamous plays in temple history took place with you under center, September 18th, 2007, 50 seconds left trailing at UConn by five. Can you talk about that play and how it unfolded? We, I think we talked about this on our first episode, right? right. The, the play where you really, I mean, there's no other way to say it. You guys very clear that Bruce Francis got his foot in bounds trick play. Right. You guys got screwed on yeah. that call. What, what goes through your mind? Um, I pulled it up. Whenever I saw the question, I, I got it over here on my, on my other uh, computer. So it's funny because it's fourth and seven. We're on the 12 yard line, 50 seconds left. We're down five. It's fourth and seven, and we're in a two. We're in a twelve personnel set. Obviously, it's Maneri and Kevin Armstrong. We're in two tight ends. Dion Crudup is the wide receiver to the right. Bruce Francis, the receiver to the left, and I'm tossing the ball to Jason Harper. Um, they're playing. It looks like a little quarter scheme, so to speak. And then um, I toss the ball to old Jason Harper, and he flips it to Dion. And I'm open. Dion couldn't couldn't get me the ball on the toss pass because there was a guy in my face. He, he would have thrown it initially. I think I would have got it in back shoulder. Mm-hmm. But he finds a way from like the 25 yard line, flips it up. I jump. I don't jump high enough. The guy from UConn tips it. He kicks me. And there's Bruce, one foot down. The referee literally, he's staring right at him, John. Mm-hmm. He's staring right at his foot as it touches down. He just shakes his hands and, you know, tells no touch, no touch. And everyone's in pure panic. And I don't remember. The, I remember the feeling because there's a picture of me with my head down kneeling like Tim Tebow did. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and I'm kneeling. There's a picture of me doing that. But I remember we were extremely disappointed. It was one of those things where, like, how could they get this wrong with the, the review system that they had? That's mm-hmm. what, that's the only thing that bothered me. I think Al Golden was extreme. Like, Al is probably still mad to this day. Like, yes, he, yeah. he had a little buzz cut. And, you know, we were in Adidas uniforms and everyone's <laughs> frustrated. Um, but, again, man, it was it's just one thing that didn't go our way. It was fun. It's one of those things that I'll always be able to remember. And, and I wish it did go our way. It would have been pretty cool to win a game that way. Who does a trick play on fourth and seven from the 12-yard line? You know, George right. DeLeon did. That was, that's why I wanted to follow up on that. These questions are, are, are fun, and we appreciate it, guys. So I wanted to follow up with you on that. This is my question. And, we've, we've again, we've talked about a lot of stuff in the past. George DeLeon, it, it, was, such a, it was such a big thing for Al to bring when he got the Temple job. And, and you know, it's a, it's a credit to him, the, the, the number of guys that have come – from that coaching tree, whether it's Matt driving up here to ask for a job and or Al surrounding himself with a veteran guy like George DeLeon, and you come here and he's coached Donovan McNabb, he's coached Marvin Harrison, he's been in the NFL. Um, Two-part question for you. What was it like? Well, first of all, what was it like when that play call comes in? Is it George sending it in? And what was that like when you hear that play call? And then what was it like just playing for a guy like that? Because he was a character. I loved, I, I, I loved interviewing him and I would just ask him to just explain stuff to me. Yeah, I mean, I it's well for one, George DeLeon is one of the, the greatest guys I've ever met, one of the best football minds I've ever met, one of the the funniest guys I've ever met, mm-hmm. and a man that could eat more than anybody I've ever met. So he was always guy, he was always eating when I was interviewing him. He was eating soup or like a sandwich or something. Yeah. Give your card and just be like, hey, get like twenty sandwiches. Like the guy was he was elite in every level, in every facet of the world. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would say the same thing. 
so being able to learn from him and being able to sit in with him you know, my first year back in football from you know me playing baseball for two years was was extremely special I learned a lot of football from him just getting back into the, to the back into the game and you look at that staff like De Leon, Al Golden, Donofrio, Bob McNeil's in the NFL, Andrew Dees was in the NFL, Ryan Day obviously we know who he is, Jeff Nixon is with Matt in Carolina, Matt Rule obviously, Paul Williams is at Wake Forest with one of the best defenses in the country right now and they're they're playing good football, so Robbo He's uh, an elite coach. Satya Mbakto is a GA. He's a mm-hmm. linebacker coach at Cornell. Um, Ryan Roeders with Penn State. Yeah. And, and have been in the NFL. Um, in the NFL. I mean, there's there's elite guys on that staff, and we were extremely bad. Um, but that's a great staff, a great people to learn from. Then we get that play. It's like, well, I mean, I don't think that we were good enough to run our base stuff right there to get a touchdown. So it's like, hey, we have a trick play. We haven't used it. Maybe we'll catch them off guard. They'll probably be in some base defense. So for us, it's like, Hey guys, it hurts. We've been running this in practice. We get a chance to do it now. Let's just execute. So again, we weren't an elite team. We weren't a great team then, but you know, we were able to um, we were able to run a play like that, and you know, we we did execute, so to speak. And then when you didn't get the touchdown, it was kind of disappointing. What did Al say to you guys in the locker room after that? I don't remember. I know he was. I'm sure he was like, "Hey, something along the lines like I don't want to say get back to work, but you know, it's frustrating to lose like that. You know, we're in it. We're close. You know what I mean." just continue to keep working. I, I, I don't remember, but I'm sure there was way more than that. Like there was more of a mental way to, to get us to get over this game and move on to the next one or take this loss and learn from it. Um, I don't remember. I know he wasn't too happy. That's for sure. I don't think anybody was too happy when he got back on that bus. I remember he, he spoke not long after at a basketball game at halftime and he was talking about getting people out to games. And I think he said something like he, uh, in, in true Al fashion, because he was a good public speaker. And he said something like, Last time I checked, you only needed to get one foot in bounds, and he like dropped the mic. And everybody was uh, yeah. Who for for as serious as guys he is, like he had some good one liners too. So he 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 knew when to you know try to get people to laugh a little bit. And um, like I said, at the end of the day, it made everybody stronger, and it you know it toughened us up a little bit and made us a little more mentally tough too. Mm-hmm. Another, I think this is the the like, second to last question we have. I think we might have just gotten a uh, another one here. Um, uh, this is the, this is the second last one. And this is, uh, um, one going back to like the culture of, of the program. Um, mm-hmm. this is from Brandon on Facebook. You mentioned in an earlier pod that the temple tough culture was player driven. Are you offended when Carrie talks about having to change the culture? I wanted to ask you about that too, because sometimes fans say that Rod said at one point that he said he was going to change the culture. Do you recall him? saying uh, and what's your what's your take I, don't know if I, necessarily, I think like I, thought, I think i mentioned this before like it was a player driven culture like, i think that you know matt and those guys were trying to instill in the players allowing them to a little more freedom a little more leeway a little more um a little more say in how things went and you know what i mean hey we're gonna do this what do you guys think about this you know what i mean they had some questions like hey Let's get with the leaders. You know, they started the whole leadership council. They started a few of those things to kind of get more input from the players. And obviously, once you allow those players to do more and they, you know, and they start to understand like, hey, these guys believe in us. These guys trust us. These guys love us. And you kind of let them take the reins a little bit, um, a little bit more than usual. And then you can turn that thing over to the players, turn the team over to the players, and they can kind of police themselves. So the staff necessarily, even though we're still overseeing everything, we know what's going on players believe that they're the ones that are doing that mm-hmm. um so i don't know if necessarily rod got away from that i think that um over time 
that kind of changed, like whether it was just, you know, small chunk by small chunk, by small piece after small piece, we're just continuing just, just kind of get chopped down by a little bit. And then, you know, maybe towards the end, it's a little smaller than we want it to be, mm-hmm. but it's never going to stay the same when you're, you know, I mean, we've, we've had multiple coaches and guys are going to bring their own way of doing things in. I mean, it's changed when Matt left to Jeff to, to Ron. So things have changed and that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. You, know, you try to keep things, you try to keep certain things, you try to, then you have to bring in your own stuff that's worked for you. So um, that's kind of how I see it, John and, you know, mm-hmm. Brandon. So I don't know if that necessarily answers it, but I hope so. Last question here, also from the, uh, from Facebook. What was one important thing Adam learned from each head coach that he worked under? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think from, from, for Matt and I've obviously played for Matt and I spent a lot of time with him. He was my quarterback coach. So, you know, we have a different relationship. Um, but the dude was like overly detailed in everything he did. And I'm talking about, by the way, he hung stuff in the hallways, the way he put tape on how he did it, how we did it as staff and how his players did it. Um, the dude was overly prepared and was probably the most competitive dude in, in that I've ever met. Um, he was competitive in everything. Didn't like to lose in anything um, here his team did. And I think at the end of the day, he taught me that, you know, he's probably one of the greatest motivators I've ever met as well. So, I mean, just finding ways to motivate different types of kids and kids that necessarily aren't from the area you're from or, you know, don't see things the way you do or have, you know, been brought up differently than you. But, you know, he's probably the greatest motivator I've ever met. You were talking about uh, Coach Collins. You know, I think he kind of showed me the true business side of the profession. Um, things that I probably didn't think were overly important, John. Um, in the past, they did have some significance to what we were trying to accomplish. You know, he always told us to make sure that we continue to promote our brands as coaches. And then that was showing the way our guys go out there and play. And the dude was overly intense. You know what I mean? I think you guys probably seen that. Um, and then with Broad, like, you know, he did show me that, you know, even being a full-time football coach, you can be a great father and husband while being a college coach. Uh, the schedule was pretty dang good when he was here. So for me, having two young kids was really elite. You know, he, you know, he's a little different than, 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 than Jeff. Um, he had more of a business approach. That dude had his schedule done months ahead of time. I think the dude is extremely loyal. Um, I don't know if it's to a fault sometimes, but like, when I was on the field as a coach and, you know, he came in and basically said, Hey, listen, Adam, you know, I love you. I want you here, but I'm loyal to my guys. I'm not going to have you on the field anymore. So for me, I didn't like that because I wanted to coach. I thought I was, you know, able to, should have been coaching and whatnot. But at the end of the day, he told me what he did. He was honest. I respected his decision. And, you know, I was, I respected him for it too, because, you know, the guy was pretty dang honest and you know, showed his loyalty to his guy. Good, good, honest, uh, good, honest uh, storytelling out of you there. So, yeah, um, trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Yeah, no, that provides. No, I know I got, drilled, I know I got drilled a couple of times on Twitter for not being uh, as brutally honest as I should be. Which, like I told you guys before, it's still difficult. Like, you know what I mean? If if this podcast was a year, you know, later, you know, I think that it'd be different. But I'm still really heavily. I feel like I'm just still in it. You know what I mean? So I'm trying yeah. to kind of find ways to be in and not be in and still be honest, you know, about the things that we're talking about. Wow. That's some great insight, man. We appreciate it. So that'll do it for this week's episode. Uh, stay tuned for next week. Uh, we'll certainly be recapping what happens in Temple's game against Houston and any other news that, that uh, happens good, bad, or indifferent in between. So thanks for sticking with us for another episode and we will talk to you guys next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.